Let's go out to the phone line now and bring on Tom Karen, who is with us. TC, live at the winter meetings in Nashville. How are you? Doing well, Brady. How you doing? I'm doing well as well. We got a lot to get to, but let's wrap up that point there. Joe Castiglione, the voice of the Red Sox on this here radio station, 41 years as the voice of the Sox, getting the Ford C. Frick Award uh, next summer in Cooperstown. Pretty cool honor for one of the uh, the Red Sox lifers. Very cool and so well deserved. Uh, there isn't a classier guy, a nicer guy, a more gracious guy in this business. He's seen it all. I mean, he has seen it all and called it all. And, uh, you know, he's, he's our Vin Scully and I'm, I'm so happy for him because I know it means a lot to him. And, uh, I'm just thrilled for Joe and his family that he'll be in Cooperstown where he belongs. TC, let me ask you a, a nerdy question. What is kind of the relationship like between the broadcasting guys on TV and the broadcasting guys on the radio? I mean, I, I don't know. I guess I always thought they were rivals of each other. I guess at the end of the day, they are all on the same team. But how well do you know, Joe, considering you're not always at the stadium, you're in studio, or at least you were prior to the last two years or so? Yeah, no, I know Joe pretty well. I mean, I spent a couple of years as a sideline reporter. And, and, you know, on and off over the last few years, I've done some radio games with Joe. Uh, did a few regular season series right. and uh, a bunch of spring training games when I would jump over and help them out when they were between analysts and stuff. So uh, I know Joe well. He's great. We we all get along. You know, when we travel, and I travel to a few series a year still, uh, you know, you're all on the, the team charter. Remember, the, the radio and TV broadcasters, we get to go on the team charter where the rest of the media does not. So, you know, we're kind of our own little subculture of mm-hmm. that traveling unit, right? The players are one and the most important group, and then you got the coaching staff and, the medical staff that all travels along the support staff. And then you've got, you know, just a few Nesson and WEI people in the back of the plane. And uh, so we end up spending a lot of time talking, telling stories. And, and, and Joe's always great because, you know, he can spin a web with the best of them. Well, a great honor for Joe Kostick, again, the voice of the Red Sox, 41 years, the Ford C. Ford C. Frick Award winner for the uh, 2024 class at the Baseball Hall of Fame. All right, TC, we're going to get to the Red Sox in a moment, but i got to tell you I'm in a very bad mood now as of about the last hour. I hate the idea of the Yankees getting better. I hate the idea of the Yankees getting much better, and I really hate the idea of an Aaron Judge, Juan Soto, 1-2 or 2-3 batting order. This is not good news. No, it's not. I mean, they're loading up, and, and you know, the, the hot rumor down here the last couple of days is that Toronto is weighing on Shohei Otani. You drop him in the middle of that lineup, and the best division of baseball gets a whole lot better. And the Red Sox, you know, other than uh, trading Verdugo for minor league pitching, uh, haven't done anything yet. So they need to do something here. They need to get back in the race. They need to bring back a little bit of the luster of what the Boston Red Sox are. Uh, because right now, you know, the Yankees clearly seem hell-bent on, on reclaiming their status as, as one of the top franchises in the sport. And the Red Sox so far have not done that. Craig Breslow doesn't strike me as a guy who's going to be overly reactive. I don't see him saying, okay, now we have to strike because everyone else is striking. Do you think ownership spurs him along or opens the wallet further to try to get a guy like Yamamoto because they see the arms race developing? I, you know, it's a great question, Brady. I don't know. I, I just really don't know because we've seen a different attitude, you know, certainly over the last four years under High and Bloom. Was it Bloom? Was it the ownership? Is it the combination of the two? I, I don't know the answer to that. I really don't. And I'm not sure anybody does. We all sort of have theories. And, and, you know, it was, was it Bloom trying to do it a certain way? 
Was it owners telling him you can't spend the money? I don't know what the number is. I don't know what the payroll, uh, you know, the budget is for next season. But, you know, the old days of just going toe-to-toe and battling with the Yankees over the top free agents, they seem gone. And I'm not sure if they're coming back. Until they go sign a premier free agent, you know, and until you tell me Yamamoto or Jordan Montgomery or one of these guys is coming to Boston, uh, I, I'm still skeptical that they will try to go toe-to-toe and spend the money with the Yankees. Tom Karen, Red Sox insider, and Nestor with us here on the Brady Farkas Show. He's live at the winter meetings in Nashville. A lot to get to. Red uh, TC, we talked about the Verdugo trade in the last segment. I've got three kind of discernible angles to it. I'm just going to start with angle one, first and foremost, to you. Are you okay with the Verdugo trade, period? Are you okay with Verdugo being dealt? Yes. Are you okay with him being dealt <laughs> it, to the is Yankees? This single, is, this, is this short answer? Uh, it, yes. Yeah. Okay. Are you okay with him being dealt to the Yankees? Yes, I'm okay with him being dealt to the Yankees. Okay. I would be, too. The thing that bothers me a little bit, though, is that they're not getting a major league player in return. And look, I'm okay with the three pitchers they got generally because now I want to see them enter the Craig Breslow and Andrew Bailey pitching lab. But if we're trading with the Yankees and making the Yankees better – I'd like to make them weaker in another spot. I would have been okay with the Verdugo for Torres trade one for one that we were talking about a couple of weeks ago. I don't know that I love them getting better at the major league level and us not though. Yeah, although it is interesting and, and, and Cora was, was with us this morning. We spent some time with Alex this morning and he was talking about that. He goes, listen, at the end, you gotta, you gotta look at the players you're getting and not worry about what's happening to the team that you're trading with. Uh, so, so kind of saying the exact opposite of what you said, right? Hmm. Not worrying about making them weaker or what you're giving them. They like the pitchers they got. Um, the, the, you know, the, the, the three of them are interesting. One of them does have what 20 games of, of major league yeah. uh, experience, though he wasn't great at the, uh, at the major league level, but, but he was really good at the triple A level. Richard Fitz is the guy. Uh, that they really like. He's the starter, 152 double-A innings last year, struck out 163 batters. Um, and, you know, there, there, there's a young guy who hasn't even started this pro journey yet. <clears throat> and then Weissert is uh, the guy with 20 major league innings, but he pitched pretty well, a sub-three ERA at triple-A. So here's the thing. You know, their pitching depth is almost non-existent at the upper minor league levels. And, and this trade did a lot to improve that. But also, and, and I know Alex Cora is going to say all the right things. I talked to Aaron Boone today about Verdugo. I talked a lot with Alex Cora about Verdugo. And I just, there's no doubt in my mind that they did not want him back. I don't think Alex Cora wanted him back. I think it's as simple mm. as that. And, and not because he's a major problem in the, in the clubhouse. He's not. He's, he's, you know, a guy who, who has some discipline issues and they, they had to bench him twice last year. But I think the worry was how the final year of his contract would affect him. He's made it clear he wants a big contract. And, you know, we, we've just finally gone into a stretch where we, you know, we had the whole bets thing hanging over them for a while. Then the Bogarts thing was felt like a year and a half and talking about his contract. I think the last thing the Red Sox wanted was to be dealing with Verdugo talking about his contract to the media. The media asked him about a contract and, and that whole thing. They didn't want him here for the final year of his contract. And I don't think they wanted to sign him to a big contract. Uh, so you, you got to make the move. Do you do it now? Do you do it at the trade deadline? Uh, they felt they got pitching now. We'll see what he does with the Yankees. You know, it's a one, you know, he's got one year left. 
Left-handed bat, obviously, can, uh, can, can, can probably use Yankee Stadium to his benefit, although he's better when he uses all field and doesn't get pull happy. And if he tries to get pull happy with a short porch and right, that'll probably hurt him. Uh, I would expect, one thing I think that I know about Verdugo, is he's a big stage guy, and I think he's going to have 13 really good games against the Red Sox this season. Hmm. He's going to be highly motivated. I certainly hope not, but it certainly is possible. Kind of the third tentacle to everything, TC, was what does this now mean for the Red Sox? And I guess my first thought is the Red Sox have started now to clear their outfield glut a little bit. The way I see this going, and I might be wrong, you know, we're hearing all this talk down there, oh, the Red Sox are still in on Justin Turner. I'm not buying that, TC. Breslow's made it pretty clear he wants to rotate around the position and not keep one guy anchored to it. I see now... Yoshida playing more DH and being kind of the, the the leader in the clubhouse for that. The rest of the outfield being open. Abreu, Duran, Ref Snyder, uh, uh, Rafaela maybe. I see that now being possible. Do you see it the same way? I do, although I thought it was interesting. And I interviewed Alex, I'm sorry, I interviewed Craig Breslow uh, just a little bit ago for, for the show we're going to air tonight at 10. And he said point blank in an ideal world, he would go get some experience to add to that group. Okay. So I think, I think freeing up, don't forget they, they got whatever, it's four million or so that they got rid of with your, the Urias deal. Now nine point something. Turner, if you don't bring him back, Duval, if you don't bring him, they freed up some money here. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk about Lourdes Gurriel, uh, as a potential. I've heard the name Teoscar Hernandez. Uh, kicked around here as somebody that the Red Sox could be interested. I haven't heard that from the Red Sox, but there's been a lot of scuttlebutt about that. I wouldn't be surprised if they go out and get an older, more veteran defender. Uh, uh, Michael A. Taylor is somebody they've been talking about. Um, so we'll see. I mean, I, I just I think there's going to be another outfielder put into the mix, and that would take the pressure off rushing Rafaela because I'm not 100% sure they feel his bat is major league ready. He, he would be the best defender of the group already. Uh, but if you could get him to, you know, be a little more selective at the plate, especially with two strikes, and, and he may need a little more seasoning in AAA to get to that. So we'll see. I think they'll add an outfielder, though. Red Sox uh, insider Tom Karen with us here on the Brady Farkas Show on DEV. Breslow said yesterday that they he acknowledges they need help at second base. He sees that coming more likely via a trade than free agency, so that would knock out a guy like Whit Merrifield. We've talked a little bit about Jorge Polanco. We've talked about Jonathan India. Do you think it's a bigger name maybe at second base like that, or is it someone I'm not thinking of right now? It's probably someone we're not thinking of because I just get the feeling that I, I, that's the way it works, right? I mean, uh, India is an interesting guy, and, and there's been a lot of talk about him moving, and, and that would certainly work. But the thing is, you know, and I, that's why I told you this in the past. I thought Whit Merrifield would be a great answer there because you could get him probably for a year, right, or two, and then you know that just, just it's just a placeholder for Marcelo Meyer, and and you don't want to sign someone that you're going to have for a long time or trade for someone who's going to be a part of this because Story's here for a while, Meyer's going to be here for a while. Uh, you should be by the end of this year, if not the beginning of next year, all set up the middle. So I don't know. I, I, I really don't know where that'll come from, but my guess is it would be a name that, that we're not thinking about right now. Or, you know, I mean, uh, Guriel has played a little bit of infield. There's some guys who have a lot of versatility, so maybe the outfielder I was talking about winds up being part of the mix at second base as well. Backup catcher conversation, Martin Maldonado, the guy with the Astros who been part of three World Series teams 
with the Astros. Certainly knows how to handle a staff. A guy Alex Cora I know really, really likes. What are you hearing maybe about him? And is there anything else that uh, that you're hearing down there in Nashville? Well, the, the, it's funny. He's not here, right? He's in Dominican Republic, but Ravel Devers uh, raised a lot of eyebrows with his eye, eyes open emoji, a picture of <laughs> yes. him batting in front of uh, Maldonado, uh, kind of lobbying to get his, uh, his friend here. Uh, I haven't heard anything about Maldonado. I, I've kind of been told they're not really looking at a catcher right now, so I'm not sure that's, uh, that's going to happen, uh, much to the dismay, apparently, of, uh, of Rafael Devers. Uh, and, but I think, you know, listen, it's all about pitching right now. We know that. Uh, the talk is Yamamoto is going to be here. The Yankees have said they're meeting with him on Monday. We've heard the Mets report that they've uh, been over there and, and met with him. Uh, the Red Sox are being really tight-lipped and will not even say if they are one of the finalists that are going to meet with him. But I, I do know that they have been doing everything they can over in Japan where they have people to, uh, to try to let him know that they want him and to try to put on that full-court press. But we'll see where it goes. I mean, I, you know, I, I just think uh, that they're going to make their I, – I, I do think they're going to make an offer, and I think they're going to make their best offer. And I think they're going to try really hard to get him, even though it's going to be an absurd number. But the question is, is somebody else going to offer more? I mean, you just can't control that. You know, and if the Yankees or the Mets just throw more than you throw at them, then you lose out again. And the fan base not going to like that. And then you're kind of stuck scrambling for plan B. But as of today, as about an hour ago, Craig Breslow told me, without telling me anything about what plan A is, he said our plan A for pitching is still in place, it's still available, we're still going after it. I'm assuming that means Yamamoto, so we'll see. Certainly could be. Uh, TC, where do you think? Otani's going to sign by the time we talk next week are the reports. Dodgers, Angels, Giants, Jays. What's he going to choose? Uh, I'm still going Dodgers. Although the, 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 I'm telling you, the Blue Jays thing is really interesting, and somebody I know – up in up in Toronto, close to the team, was telling me that you know Rogers is a is a multi billion dollar company, right? And and they're they're a huge cell service provider up there. And and would it be interesting if they threw a, a ridiculous number at him and tried to use him as their way to enter the cell phone market in in Japan? Mm. Uh, and if you start looking at it as a business investment. Then maybe that 600 million isn't so ridiculous. But I still think at the end of the day, the Dodgers make the most sense. I think it'll be 600 million. And, uh, and even though Dave Roberts may have hurt their chances by <laughs> act, being, being bold enough to admit they've spoken with Otani, yeah. uh, I think that's where he ends up because it's just the easiest hit. TC, I'll let you in on a little secret here. The Blue Jays home opener next year is April 8th to Monday against my Mariners. I've got four tickets in Toronto for that game. If Otani's there, I will no longer have four tickets for that game because I will be selling them. Yeah, you'll buy a new widescreen and watch it at home. There, there you go. Absolutely. There you go. So, TC, thanks for making time. I know it's a kind of a, a crazy week for you down there. We appreciate it, and we'll catch up again in seven days. Thank you. Sounds good. Thanks, Freddie. Appreciate it.